I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Hey, everybody. It's Tuesday, March 5th, 2019. I can't believe it's already March. We're two weeks into 2019. And it is March, which means we will have a lot of things coming up. Because two Sundays from now is Selection Sunday. Can I get a woo-woo? And that signals the start of March Madness, which will go into early April. And we are also, I believe, four or five weeks away from the end of the, or six weeks away from the end of the NBA regular season. And really, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA today as well. Uh, And... MLB season is about to come back. Might have already said this a bunch of times, but uh, who cares? MLB season is coming back in, I believe it's later than last year, actually. I think the season starts in March 28th. Uh, at least it does for the Giants. Uh, it's about a week and a half later than last year, but that's okay. Uh, still looking forward to it, as always, and some baseball talk is going to lead the show. But, you know, another thing I like about sports is there's always something to talk about. Uh, as evidenced by this program and the various programs on the various networks run by the various companies. But whether it's your human interest story or your score or your event, there's there's always something that's happening. And uh, I'm ready to go for it today, so let's do it. First was the saga that finally ended, came to an end. Manny Machado went off the market. Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado signed an extension. And finally, last but most definitely not least, Bryce Harper. Uh, on Thursday, he agreed to a 13-year, $330 million contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. The largest guaranteed contract, according to MLB.com, largest guaranteed contract signed in North American sports history. Ten, uh, $330 million. And this surpassed the most recent deal that was large. Three, 13 years, $325 million with Giancarlo Stanton and the Marlins in 2014. Now, I think the biggest deal from this contract is the fact that there is no opt-out, as well as a no-trade clause, which means that Bryce Harper will be in a Phillies uniform for 13 years, guaranteed, which uh, I think pretty much guaranteed, which is pretty crazy. And it's there's a reason that these contracts aren't signed very often because tastes change and maybe you don't want to commit yourself for that long. But Bryce Harper clearly wanted, or he wanted to get paid. And in order to get paid, you're going to want these type of things. Um, Teams don't want to waste their money. And Bryce Harper is clearly okay with it playing in Philadelphia for this long. Um, And he's going to make plenty of cash 
But I'm worried that if four or five years in he starts to become unhappy or if the Phillies roster, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, doesn't pan out like it should, if there's going to be some unhappiness. Because Bryce Harper has been known to make some noise in the locker room, and if it starts to become unsettled, it could be really awkward for half a decade, a decade even. Um, but to for Bryce Harper's deal to be worth $25.4 million per season, which is actually a lot less than the Manny Machado deal at $30 million, is interesting because now they have a little room to continue to build the roster. But this season, they already made some deals. I mean, let's take a look. They grabbed Andrew McCutcheon from the Yankees, who played for the Giants, and I I loved him. Um, But he has moved on and signed with the Phillies. They also grabbed Gene Segura, a young shortstop from Seattle. Um, That's... Played very well in recent years. Also JT Real Muto. Um, But this team is looking pretty good. Their young core is something to behold. I mean, Reese Hoskins uh, is 25 years old. And he hit 34 home runs last year for the Phillies. uh, Had a slugging percentage of 496. And in 2017, his breakout campaign... Uh, he had a 618 slugging percentage and eight, 18 homers in just 50 games. I remember that. He was going off. Um, and so they've got a, a spot at first base. Also, Michael Franco, the other hot corner, he's only 26 years old. And he was a fireball uh, really the last couple of years. Uh, he's really, he's kind of, or actually last year, he's kind of taken off a little bit. And he's secured part of that infield as well. Odubel Herrera in center field, only 27 uh, years old. So, I mean, this is a... Yeah, oh, and also don't forget about the pitching. Aaron Nola was an all-star last year, dropped his ERA to 2.37 in his fourth year in the bigs. So, and also Jake Arrieta signed from the Cubs. This is a talented team. And I think McCutcheon understand, or sorry, Harper understood that this team is going to have a lot of room to use their assets either to develop them or to make a trade. Um, And they've got cap space to work with, plus this is baseball where the cap isn't really a big deal. And so this Phillies team is going to be pretty exciting. Also, he's coming from within the division and moving to another team within the division. So obviously he's going to be already familiar with the Nationals, but already having that edge... Uh, on the other teams in the NL East uh, will be big to make that transition really as seamless as possible because when you're jumping into a team partway through spring training, I mean, we're already, what, 10 games into spring training? Um, It's not going to be easy to integrate yourself into the team right away, but the fact that he's already familiar with these guys and how they play because he's had to, to, to play against them for so long, not to mention the other teams that he will play in, his former team, the Nationals. He's already got a feel for how this division works and what he needs to do, and it's not going to be as hard for him to adjust and get back into the flow of things. Uh, I think the Phillies have a chance to win a World Series within the next five years um, based off of all of that, and Bryce Harper has been a great power hitter. Uh, courtesy of MLB Stats, since he came into the league in 2012, 
Among outfielders, he's second in home runs with 184. First in on-base percentage at 388. Second in slugging percentage at 512. So not only does he have uh, his glove, but he's also got power. And he's going to bring uh, a ripple effect into that Phillies lineup that was already very, very good um, before he got there. So I don't know what the Vegas odds were, but I know they shot up right after they signed him, obviously. And it's going to be a fun ride watching him develop. Uh, down there in Philadelphia, or up there in Philadelphia. Second, we're going to head over to the National Basketball Association and talk about a report, an, a very interesting report that, that came out uh, a couple of days ago. According to Mark Stein of the New York Times, formerly of ESPN, quote, the prevailing assumption in league coaching circles remains that Walton will almost certainly be dismissed after the season, followed by the Lakers resuming their trade request for Anthony Davis, end quote. And I can't see that as anything but true, because after the whole Anthony Davis saga, and there were a couple of good games that came after that, this Lakers team has just been a mess. They've lost five out of their last six games, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Bucks, the Suns, and most recently the Clippers. And there just isn't an air of... There just isn't a good ambiance around the team. It doesn't feel like they can win any of these close games. I mean, all of these games have been close. Lost the Pelicans by 13, the Grizzlies by 5, Bucks by 11, the Lakers or the Suns by 9, and the Clippers by 8. They're... they're they're within striking distance, but it doesn't really feel like they're in these games because they they can't close properly. And LeBron is not the showstopper that he was brought in to be. Uh, there has been a lot of criticism about his effort, even as he is supposed to get into the so-called playoff mode in this crucial stretch of the season. He's not been able to do that. Um, he doesn't show effort as much effort on defense as would like, and even though he's scoring, um, it's not as he's not getting as involved as he would like to be, especially at the end of games, in order to secure uh, his team's wins. And for Luke Walton, your job once LeBron was brought in, I mean, okay, first of all, I know Luke Walton inherited the Lakers when they were looking pretty low. Um, and even though he under, he knew that he also had to understand that it's the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, the brand name is one of the strongest in all of American sports. And so you are going to attract talent, and you have to be ready for when that talent comes, and more importantly, when those expectations come. Um, it's one thing to coach with little worry and a lot of job security, but it's a whole nother animal to have LeBron on your team and to A have the expectations of not only making the playoffs, but getting out of the tough Western Conference and winning the NBA Finals, but B, having to compete with that star player over authority and over uh, running, truly running the team on a day-to-day -day basis because the GM memes pop in all the time. Also, it doesn't help that LeVar Ball is saying he's a bad coach, but that's kind of a tangent, irrelevant really to the main argument I'm trying to make here. Um, but either way... If you're Luke Walton, this is kind of the end of your coaching career. 
uh, at least in this current stint, or sorry, this is the end of your current job, um, because when you have LeBron, the expectations and being in Los Angeles with so many people and celebrities and media focus pointed there, not to mention, you know, having a guy named LeBron James, you're going to draw all of the attention, and it's up to you to harness that, kind of like maybe Steve Kerr was able to, coming in with the expectations, but it's all about managing between players. Um, And that's what Walton hasn't been able to do. You know, an interesting case is, who remains to be seen, is Brad Stevens uh, over there in Boston. Because last year, without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward, they were able to get to a Game 7 against LeBron James and the Cavs. This year, they sit in, I believe, the fifth seed, even with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. And it it appears that even though this team is stacked with talent, like, say, the Warriors were a few years ago with Kyrie and Gordon and um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and even guys like Mark, or Al Horford and guys like Marcus Smart, too. I mean, that is a stacked roster, and yet Brad Stevens uh, is having trouble managing the personalities because the thing that has been constantly coming out of the Celtics locker room is we need to play together. We need to play for each other. We need to gel right? And that's something that the Warriors were never really able to have trouble with. Part of that is because of the personalities. I mean, um, Steph, or it was different once KD came in, but you know, Steph and Clay and, and Draymond have always been unselfish guys, but people like Kyrie and Gordon Hayward came to Boston because they wanted to expand their role. I mean, Gordon Hayward wanted to get more in the limelight. Kyrie wanted to get out from LeBron's shadow. So these are guys that kind of established their ego a little bit, whereas Kevin Durant, when he came over, had a bit of an ego, but was clearly willing, understood that he might not be the best player on that team, or he might not be the media darling of that team. And it's up to him, and it's up to the coaching staff to really integrate him in, and that's what the Celtics and Lakers haven't really been able to do um, with their specific rosters. Interestingly, Celtics-Lakers on Saturday primetime on ABC... Uh, 5.30 this Saturday um, is going to be a fun matchup because it's it's the two teams that, even though the Lakers probably aren't going to make the playoffs, it's two teams that haven't have underperformed by many ex- extents. Um, and we'll get to finally play on a national stage with all eyes watching them and, and this, this historic rivalry that is kind of taking a backseat right now to the current state of affairs. Third topic of today is Andrew Bogut coming back to the Warriors, as my friends call him, Bogut. Um, Andrew Bogut has had a, well, let's first talk about his career. He joined the NBA in 2005 with the Milwaukee Bucks, and he stayed there until 2012 when he signed with the Golden State Warriors back when they were just up and coming. And he stayed with the Warriors for one finals uh, one finals win before he was traded to clear room for Kevin Durant. And he bounced around a little bit. He went to the Mavericks, and then he went to the Cavs, and then he went to the Lakers. 
And then he decided to not return to the NBA. And he went to Australia, where he signed a two-year deal with the Sydney Kings of the Australia or the National Basketball League in Australia. He was named in 2018-19 the NBL Most Valuable Player, averaging 11.6 points per game, along with 329 total rebounds, 98 assists, and 77 blocked shots. And that is courtesy of the NBL website. He was also named the best defensive player and got, and this is from Wikipedia, um, got all NBL first team honors. Now, clearly he had a great season and he's decided to leave the NBL and come back to the NBA. And that team that he plans to sign with is the Golden State Warriors. Woohoo! I'm very excited to have Andrew Bogut back. Love the big guy. Because he was kind of the stalwart down low for that initial incarnation of the Warriors that had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, himself, Draymond Green, and Harrison Barnes. That was the original death lineup back in 2016, uh, 2015-16 when they went 73-9 and nine and kind of tore up the league. Uh, that, that death lineup actually had Iguodala, but, but he was the starting center, um, and he was the main big man. And even though he's older, he's 34 years old now, but clearly he can still play, and clearly he can still defend, which is something that the Warriors have struggled with this year. Um, so to, it'll be tough getting back to the NBA talent. Um, there's a reason he, well... There's a reason the Warriors didn't see him as enough of an asset uh, to keep him. But I think it'll be great to have him back as some bench depth now that Boogie is here. Um, Boogie can play a second-string role. And it'll be really just energizing the fan base back up again um, because they'll have one of their fav- one of the fan favorites coming back. I mean, I, I was on the Nostalgia Tour yesterday, and I saw... Uh, an old clip of Steph Curry getting a tip out and then Bogut was celebrating before Steph even shot it and, and tried to run by him and almost block the shot. Um, that that was the start, really, of arrogant season that has kind of continued to this day, although it's kind of tampered down from that 2015-16 season when they were running and gunning and shooting and shooting everything and, and just having having so much fun. But it'll be nice to recapture some of that energy um, and also once DeMarcus leaves, because DeMarcus is only staying for one year, um, he's going to want a long-term deal after this, or at least more money than the veteran minimum that he got from Golden State. But Bogut will, I think Bogut can, can potentially, I can totally see Bogut staying on after after this the rest of this year. Um, and returning, not necessarily as a starter, but uh, to add to continue to add some more depth uh, to this Warriors team as they start to worry about free agency and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and obviously Kevin Durant. Uh, so Bogut is a great addition to this team, um, and I think it'll be a lot of fun for not only the Warriors, but for me as a fan, for the rest of the Warriors fans um, and the rest of, of the Warriors faithful, because it's a little flash of the past, but it's also kind of, 
utilitarian in that it's great to get some big depth down low because that's something that the Warriors have, have struggled with defending in the paint. We're heading to a fourth topic today for the first time in uh, quite a while, actually, because there's just a lot more as, as we're in a little bit of a lull in the sports calendar. A lot of smaller topics uh, that build up, build up an episode. But either way, we're going to talk about the race in college basketball in the Big 12. If you haven't been paying attention to that race or college basketball very much, Kansas has won a share of the title or the outright or a share of the regular season title or outright title in the conference for 14 consecutive years, which considering it's college and Programs fluctuate, players cycle in and out. It's remarkable that Kansas has won 14, or had at least had a share of 14 straight titles. It's a remarkable run of consistency. And yet it looks like that streak may be coming to an end. Because at the moment, Kansas, the Jayhawks, sit at 11-5 in conference one and a half games back of Kansas State and Texas Tech, each at 13-4. and four. Kansas has one game in hand with two games to go, one against Oklahoma tonight at 6 and against Baylor at 11 or at, on Saturday. Kansas State and Texas Tech each have one game left. Kansas State playing Oklahoma on Saturday and Texas Tech playing Iowa State on Saturday. And if either... Texas Tech or Kansas State win, they clinch a share of the title at least, and Kansas will not will not be able to get a share of the title for the 14th consecutive year. Kansas needs to win both of their games and have Kansas State and Texas Tech lose their remaining game, which is very unlikely to happen. And for Kansas this year, the story has just been they haven't been able to win on the road. Fog Allen has always been a wonderful building to play in, and they're six and zero, they're sixteen and zero at home. In fact, the only team in the Big Twelve that's undefeated at home. But ultimately, that being three and seven away was just not enough. And also, they've had to deal with injuries. Uh, the biggest one being Udoka Azubuki, their star center, who came into his own last year and has not been able to play much this year after suffering a season-ending injury. Uh, at the or having to get season-ending surgery at the start of this year, and that's really been a big hit to their depth, uh, especially down low. They just haven't been able to compete much. But some of the great things that have come out of this uh, on college basketball Reddit, there's a GIF war going on between the fan bases of the Big Twelve. A lot of fun competition, basically just gifs of gifs gifs of Various shows and and um, various shows and, and uh, movies with the teams written on the various characters. It's you should just check it out. But either way, <laughs> either way, it's been it's been a crazy run, and I, I was very surprised to see Kansas keep on faltering because some of these games, I mean, they weren't even close. They lost to Kansas State. 92 or 91 to 62 last uh, two Saturdays ago and they lost to Kansas State earlier in the year by a 
final score of I don't remember, but what I do remember was the punctuating dunk that ended it. If you haven't checked, uh, seen it, oh yeah, 74-67. Uh, Google uh, Cartier Diara windmill dunk. But it's the cra- it's one of the things I love about sports. The arena was going crazy. The stadium was rocking. Everyone was just going nuts because it's like, that was the point, I think, when everyone was like, okay, wait a minute. This actually might happen. Kansas might actually not win the Big 12 this year. Or, or the Big 12 regular season title. Um, and now it's really starting to set in for the Jayhawks. Um, but I, I think it is worth thinking about. You know, it is remarkable that they've won 14 in a row, and it's a streak that we might never see again. Um, and I would be surprised, in fact, if we see it again, just because of the amount of turnover in college basketball and the amount of consistency it takes, not only from the players, but from, more importantly, the coaching staff, um, in order to have that type of consistency. Quick take, 25-minute mark. According to Bleacher Report, Joseph Zucker, and uh, a report from Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, Kyrie Irving's really become, or sorry, quote, sources around the team told me that Irving's persona has changed too. He's become disengaged and detached from those around the team. There is talk that Irving's friendships on the team start and end with Jason Tatum, with whom he shares an agent. Two sources peg Irving's change in demeanor to early early February, around the time he was asked about the possibility of joining the New York Knicks next season. Uh, And O'Connor says that Irving has, quote, grown increasingly frustrated with the intense media coverage of his future decision and the state of the team, end quote. Look, Kyrie Irving is starting to resemble his, or starting to take on the life of his ex-teammate LeBron James. I mean, he had to know that when you are the star, because Kyrie want, left LeBron's shadow because he wanted to become the star. And yet, I don't think he understood. It's one of those things where you can say you understand it, but you don't actually understand it. The scrutiny you're going to be under, the burden that's going to be placed on you until you are actually in that role. And you actually have to lead a ball club and set the example and be faced with the questions about where are you going to go? What, what, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to your team? Why are you acting this way? And Kyrie just doesn't seem like he was ready to handle that. Now, adversity may make him stronger, but it doesn't seem, it seems like he's starting to get to the age where he's not going to change. Um, and if you're disengaged with your team, that's kind of like what LeBron's facing over in L.A. I mean, it's another parallel. The superstar player is not, might not be 100% bought in this year to what the team is trying to do. And that's a recipe for disaster because if you have a bad example at the top, it's going to drive on down, and, and you're not going to have a team that's, as the Celtics have tried to say, playing together. Um, so this is a pretty damning report, if it's true, if it's all, you know, you can't really quantify people's feelings, but if what O'Connor's saying is half true, I mean, that's a that doesn't look like a team that's got a chance to come out of the Eastern Conference with the way that it's been playing this year. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Check out the podcast website, bit.ly slash thelongtakes, patreon.com slash thelongtakes, thelongtakes at gmail.com. Rate the podcast and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Send questions and voicemails. 
uh, as per usual. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I will see you next week.